So there's a phrase that I always tend to repeat when I'm talking to my children. And that phrase is, do you get it? Right? If they do something wrong, if I see uh, a moment of, of teaching, uh, whether they're fighting with each other, where they're acting out of control, maybe having bad manners, I would pull them aside. I'll try to explain how sinful they are in their hearts and in their deeds. I'll try to guilt trip them with the gospel. And, and at the end of the day, I'll ask the question, hey, do you get it? Uh, do, do you understand what I just said? And a lot of times they would say, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But just by their look, their, their eyes, I can tell that, okay, they don't fully understand what I'm saying. So what do I do? I would explain it one more time. And then I would go through the whole thing again, and then I will ask the same question. Hey, do you get it? Do you understand? And they still don't get it. And by, by the third time, they're like, okay, like, I, I, I really have to mean, my, mean it. I, I have to answer that with, with, with full conviction. And so they would finally say, yeah, I get it. I understand. Um, and the reason I'm repeating myself is because it's an important lesson. I want my children to understand what I'm trying to say to them. And I think the reason why Jesus is repeating himself time and time again in the Gospel of Luke, especially in chapter 9, about what his, his journey to the cross, three times in this one chapter he says that, that now that you understand who I am, that I am the Christ, that I am the chosen one, that I am the Son of God, now that you understand all that, I reveal to you that I'm going to the cross. I reveal to you that I'm going to Jerusalem, I'm going to suffer, I'm going to die, and I'm going to rise again. And he says that three times in one chapter in Luke chapter 9. And he's saying this because although the disciples, they're hearing this information, it doesn't seem like they're understanding, digesting what Jesus is saying at this point. It seems like there's a big disconnect between Jesus and the disciples, that they're struggling to be on the same page with Jesus. And so Jesus is repeating himself time and time again, and he's using this, this moment to teach more about discipleship, what it means to follow Jesus. Although Jesus already explained that discipleship is about denying yourself daily, taking up your cross. It's about following Jesus uh, to the T. Um, he said all these things, but because they're still struggling to grasp this idea, he's, he's, he's sharing a little bit more of what it means to be a disciple. So the question that I want to answer today uh, through the sermon is this. Why do we often struggle to be on the same page with Jesus? Why do we often struggle to understand what Jesus is trying to do in our lives and through our lives? Because that's exactly what the disciples are struggling with at this point. And the first thing that we see in today's passage is self-reliance. Self-reliance is the first reason why, the, the, um, the first thing that appears in today's text that explains why we tend to struggle in our walk with Jesus. Let's pick up in verse 37. It says this, on the next day, this is the day after the transfiguration, Jesus displayed his glory before Peter, James, and John. And now, no, he's coming down the mountain. He's returning to the crowd that's been waiting for him. And in the midst of the crowd, you have a father who comes up to Jesus. And he says, teacher, verse 38, I beg you to look at my son. Help my son. Why? For he is my only child, and he's possessed. He says that, well, he's seized by a spirit. Like, he's making these, these noises, random cries. Uh, he's falling to the ground. He's shaking. He, he, he is suffering violently. Foam is coming out of his mouth. Um, all these different things are happening, and the problem is this is not just a one-time deal. This is happening quite often. It's happening all the time. It seems like there's this spirit that's possessing this, this boy, that, that he's suffering much. And you have to understand, Luke is a physician. 
He's a doctor. He can distinguish, you know, different diseases. And what he says is, this is not simply a medical condition. Behind this, this, this sickness is demon possession. That's what he says. And so he's explaining how uh, healing is, is required for this person. But before healing can take place, there needs to be restoration in this, this boy's spirit. And what's interesting about this whole scene is, that, is, is the fact that the disciples, they tried to help this boy and they failed to do so. You know, this is not the first time we have seen someone be possessed uh, by an evil spirit in the Gospel of Luke. I think it's the third or fourth time that we have seen a man who's possessed in such a way. And we are aware that Jesus is more than able, capable to heal a person like this, that with his power that he can cast out demons, that he can heal the sick and same thing today in, in, in the end of this story. What we see is that Jesus indeed does heal this boy. But the focus of today's passage doesn't seem to be on the power of Jesus or the ability of, the, of Jesus. I think the focus of today's passage is, is on the inability of the disciples. How powerless the disciples are. How unable they are, uh, they, uh, they are when it comes to helping uh, a boy in this type of condition. Because what we see is, is this. In verse 40, it says this. The man says, the father says, I begged your disciples to cast it out, but they could not. They failed. And this is quite shocking because just earlier in the chapter, what we have seen is Jesus gave his disciples all authority, power, so that they could cast out all demons. It says in Luke 9 verse 1, it says, Jesus gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases. And sure enough, it says um, in, in the gospel of, of Mark that they went out on this mission trip and they cast out demons. They healed a lot of people. And so what we see is that the disciples, they'd done this before. It's not something new to them. And so when Jesus was up in the mountain and when this father appeared with his, his son who's suffering in such a way, they were probably thinking, yeah, I've seen this before. Like, I cast out many demons before. Like, we got this. We are more than capable of handling this situation. And, and, and so they try. They, they, they do everything in their power to, to bring healing and restoration upon this demon-possessed, sick person. And what happens is, is nothing. Nothing happens. And to this, Jesus says in verse 41, O faithless and twisted generation, how long am I to be with you and bear with you? Bring your son here. So just as a side note, you notice that even Jesus was sometimes frustrated with his disciples. That as you're investing in people, as you're trying to lead others to Christ, like it, there are times when you feel like, man, they're not getting this. They're not growing, and it's frustrating. Maybe, like, as a life group leader, you're pouring into your life group. Maybe as a Sunday school teacher, you're pouring into you, your, your, your Sunday school kids, and it's like, man, like, I wonder why they're not getting it. Like, I wonder why uh, they don't understand it. And notice that Jesus himself, he's having a hard time with his disciples. He's like, oh, faithless and twisted generation. He's rebuking his disciples at this point, and for two reasons, that you are faithless and that you are twisted you're perverted not sexually but perversion in a way that that you're twisting the plan of God no when people when they lack confidence 
um, when they are intimidated, what we normally say is this, just believe in yourself. Just trust in yourself. Everything is going to be okay. You got this. You can do this. Um, and what we're trying to do is if this person has enough self-confidence, they can accomplish many things. That's what we believe. That's what we try to encourage. You can do anything as long as you believe in yourself. How many of it, have you heard that phrase before? But in today's passage, it seems like just believing in yourself is not good enough. Faith is only as strong as the object of your faith. Faith is only as strong as the object of your faith. You know, when um, I brought Luke home, uh, my third son, uh, Timothy and Irene, they, they, they were astonished. They were excited. Uh, uh, Irene especially, she loves dolls, and, and she always carries around this, this um, stuffed animal, and this, this, this rabbit, and, and uh, this bunny. Uh, not rabbit, this bunny. Uh, and, 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 and so she's like, oh, man, my... my my younger brother, he's so cute, adorable, and so like it was an incredible moment. And and I'm and I was, I'm holding Luke, and the, one of the first things that they say is, "Well, I want to hold Luke as well." And at that moment, I'm like I'm like clashing inside of me. Well, I want to teach these kids that absolutely that they should express their love, their 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 brother, and 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 that they have to be responsible as older siblings. At the same time, deep down inside, I'm like, I don't trust them, right? I don't trust them with this newborn that can't even, like, pick up his, his, his own head. Like, there's no strength in his neck. Like, what if they just drop uh, uh, this, this, this boy? And, and I'm explaining to them, like, I, I appreciate you, Timothy. I appreciate you, Irene. But I, I don't think you can hold Luke at this time. Like, uh, I don't think you can do it. And, and Timothy just looks at, looks at me and says, I can do it. Like, <laughs> and, 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 and then because Timothy says, I can do it, like, Irene says, yeah, of course I can do it as well. And, and so I, I man, I, I gently like pass Luke in a very soft way. I make sure that hand position is right. And sure enough, about two seconds, Timothy holds Luke and is like, okay, I'm done. And then gives Luke back. And Irene, same thing. I literally can't take my hands off of Luke. Like she's, she thinks she's holding it, but I have my hands underneath it. Faith is only as strong as the object of your faith. Timothy, Irene, they had incredible faith in their biceps and their ability to pick up this infant and hold this infant. The problem was not a lack of self-confidence or a lack of faith in themselves. The problem was that they had too much faith in their ability that was insufficient. I think a lot of times when we think about our Christian life, the problem is not really that we simply lack faith in a way that 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 we are, are not trusting Jesus uh, enough. I think the real reason why we struggle in our faith is we misplace our faith. We lack faith in Jesus, meaning that we place our faith in other things. That we have great faith a lot of times, but we misplace that faith in the wrong, in, in, a, in the different Savior than Jesus, in the wrong Savior. And a lot of times that Savior is, is, is ourselves. When things get really hard, difficult, that we have enough confidence that we can overcome these situations, that we have self-assurance, confidence, 
faith in our own ability, our wisdom, our knowledge. We feel like I've done this before. I handled these type of situations before. A lot of times this comes out when you're doing work, your career. Like I handled these situations before. Like I don't even have to pray about these things. I can just go and go get the work done. A lot of times it comes, this comes out in your marriage. You feel like, you know, we, we, we solved these problems before. So before I pray, before I spend time in God's word, like I can just talk to my wife. I can talk to my husband. I know this person better than anyone else. So let me just talk to this person and fix some things. A lot of times this happens in parenting as well. When, when we have so much confidence in our ability to lead this child. Sometimes this happens when we are serving the Lord. When we are so confident in the Christian life. We've been in enough Sunday Bible studies and, and we know enough of the Bible. We feel like we've been in the culture enough to be a good Christian. And so we feel like there's, no more, no, there's nothing else that I can learn. And so like I, I've done this before. And, and it's, it's funny because this is, this, this is something I hear quite often. When people, when they feel uh, apathy towards Jesus, when they feel like, you know, their passion is no longer there, one of the main reasons is because it's, it's because they feel like they heard everything. They tried everything. And that basically that, that, that they have enough ability to handle all these different situations. The primary reason we struggle to believe in Jesus is because we believe too much in ourselves. The primary reason we struggle to put faith in Jesus is because I believe we put too much faith in ourselves. You know, Mark, he tells the same story in Mark chapter 9, and this is what it says. After this whole incident, the disciples, they go back home, and in private, they ask Jesus a question. It says, why could we not cast it out? So the, the disciples are like puzzled. Like, we did this before. Why didn't it work this time? And they're, they're too ashamed to ask this in public. So they ask Jesus in private, and what Jesus says is this. He said to them, this kind cannot be driven out by anything but prayer. It can't be done apart from prayer. Notice that Jesus doesn't say the problem is that your prayers were too short, that you need longer prayers. Jesus doesn't say that you need more godly prayers. He doesn't say your prayers have to be more passionate like, you need to have some tears in your prayers. He doesn't say you need to have better theological words and be more articulate in, in how you're praying. No, that's not what he says. He says that your problem is that you just didn't pray. These things cannot be done apart from prayer. In other words, the disciples, it's clear why they were struggling. It's clear that they were trusting in their ability, their past. Um, all that they have done previously. And they said, well, I've done this before. I can do it again. Like, I've seen stuff before. I can do it again. And so they lacked faith in Jesus because they had too much faith in themselves. And because of this, Jesus says in verse 41, oh, faithless and twisted generation. A lack of faith leads us to live twisted lives, lives that are are distorted from God's word, lives that don't align with God's plan and his beautiful design for our lives. You know, one of the key things that we tend to do when we trust too much in ourselves is begin to twist God's word so that it would, it would fit into our standards, our wisdom, our experience. And what the Bible is teaching us this, this morning is, is this. You're not all that. There's more to learn. 
the disciples, they have experienced incredible things in their, mission, in their journey and, and in their mission trip. They have witnessed the transfiguration, the glory of Jesus. And yet Jesus is telling them there is so much more that you need to learn in order to understand the plan of God. And maybe for you, if Christianity has been kind of dull, if you feel like you haven't been growing, could it be that it's because that you're trusting too much in yourself, in your ability, that you're trying to make things happen according to your ways, that you have no time and room for Jesus? So self-reliance is one of the main reasons why we struggle to embrace God's plan. We struggle to embrace all that Christ has for us. Um, and the second thing that we see is actually self-centeredness, self-centeredness. In verse 42, it says this, And while he was coming, um, the demon threw him to the ground and convulsed him, and, and just cast out the unclean spirit. In verse 43, uh, people are astonished, amazed, they are marveling at everything that Christ has done. But verse 44, something interesting, Jesus at this point reminds the disciples once again, Hey, by the way, the Son of Man is about to be delivered uh, to the hands of, of men. In other words, I'm going to die again. Like, just remember, uh, although you're amazed at all of this, just know that I'm going to the cross. I'm going to Jerusalem. I'm going to be betrayed. Um, I'm going to suffer. I'm going to die, and I'm going to rise again. That's what he's saying. But it says in verse 45, but the disciples, they did not understand this saying, and it was concealed from them so that they might not perceive it. And they were afraid to ask him about this saying. So Jesus, he reveals to his disciples one more time that I'm about to die. I'm not going to be with you guys. But it's interesting because the disciples at this moment, they're not too worried about Jesus. But they're actually worried about themselves. It says in verse 46, at this point, an argument arose among them as to which of them was the greatest. Now, how ironic is this? Now, Jesus is revealing the fact that, number one, he is the greatest because he is the Christ. But number two, that he's willing to lay down his life for many to save people. And yet the disciples, they don't care about Jesus. They're not worried that Jesus is going to die, that he's going to be betrayed, that he's going to suffer. All they're worried about is that, man, I want a seat next to Jesus. That's all they're concerned about. Like, who is the greatest among us? It, it, it's, and, and, and this is not something that just came out of them. Uh, in, in Mark, we're told that when they're traveling to Capernaum, they've been talking about this time and time again and to the point where Jesus had to ask, hey, why are you guys arguing? And, and they're so ashamed of what they're arguing about, so they're silent at first, but they finally reveal the fact that, yeah, we are arguing basically who's the greatest among us. Jesus, we know that you're number one, but who's two and three? Who's going to sit at your right hand and your left hand? That's the big argument that's going on. And, and the reason why this is so sad is because it shows us how self-centered we are. Like, when it comes to the plan of God, a lot of times we don't care about what happens to Jesus. We just care about what happens to us. We don't care about just his mission being advanced or his kingdom being expanded or churches being built for his glory. Like, we measure Christianity based on what happens to me. Like, as long as I'm great, as long as I achieve a lot of things, as long as good things happen to me, as long as I built a good enough reputation for myself, like Christianity is great. Jesus is great. What the Bible tells us is that greatness is defined in a very different way in, in God's kingdom. Now, Jesus doesn't rebuke the fact that the disciples want to be great, uh, but he corrects their view on greatness. 
uh, it says that he, he brings up an illustration. He actually says in verse uh, 47, but Jesus, knowing the reasoning of their hearts, took a child and put him by his side. Now, you might be thinking, man, that's a very cute scene. Like, you've probably seen pictures of Jesus, you know, holding a child in his lap. But you have to understand, in the Western culture, yes, children are tre- cherished, treasured. Like, I notice this whenever I'm, I'm walking with my kids. Like, people are nicer. They are willing to hold, hold the door uh, longer. They're willing to stop, wait, like, when I'm crossing uh, a road. But in the Eastern culture or in other cultures, children are just insignificant. You don't care about children. I think, you know, a couple weeks ago when James and Ruth shared their story in Taiwan, they were sharing how, like, it was a struggle because just people, uh, what they felt was that, you know, they didn't appreciate children. Like, if children would make a noise instead of, like, trying to love on them, and, and, but they would just scream at them. They would try to just correct them. And in many cultures, uh, we see that children are not as important as adults. Like, you know, when I, when I was in Korea, uh, a common thing was there would be a children's table separately from, from the adults, right? Like, you're not worthy to hang with the adults. Like, you have a separate children's table be- until you, you, you grow up. And finally, when you grow up enough, you get old enough, you, when you finally make it to the table, it's like, yes, I'm finally a human being that's worthy of, 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 of eating a meal with my, my, uh, my older brothers and, brothers and sisters. Um, but the fact that Jesus pulls out this children, child and it says, hey, in verse 48, whoever receives this child in my name receives me, and whoever receives me receives him who sent me. For he who is least among you all is the one who is great. What he's saying is this. Greatness is not defined by you comparing yourself with others. Greatness is defined by what you do for Jesus. A lot of times, the reason why we have a tendency to compare ourselves with others, the reason why we have a tendency to speak bad of others, to gossip about others, to put down others with our words and with our actions is because deep down inside, we want to be elevated, that we want to feel better about ourselves, that we want to feel like we are significant, that we are worthy, we want to be great, and one distorted way that that we take is, is by putting down others. We try to elevate ourselves. We always try to be great, uh, but in comparison with others. A lot of times, you know, I think um, uh, as a parent, I have a tendency, like, I, try, I, I tell, man, like, I don't understand my children. I don't understand why they act that way. And by saying that, I'm assuming that I know how to act as a parent. Like, Children, in return, they say, I have no idea why my, my parents are acting that way. Like, they're horrible parents. And what they're assuming is that, well, I know better than my parents. A lot of times when we are speaking negatively, negatively within especially the body of Christ, you have to understand a lot of times we do that because we want to elevate ourselves over others. And what Jesus says is you don't have to take that, that road that you don't have to compare yourself in order to feel good about yourself. You can be faithful to Jesus. And when you receive even a child, someone who's insignificant, in my name, I think that's key. This child is received in the name of Jesus. The reason why this action, this, this act of grace is great is because it's connected with Jesus. Is You are willing to love others and accept others and receive others in the name of Jesus. Jesus is saying that you can be great. You don't have to compare yourself with others. Don't be so self-aware in a way that you're trying to put down others. But, but trust in the Lord. 
be faithful to him. And we see another case of this in verse, in, in verse 49. Jesus, uh, John answers, well, it says, Master, we saw someone casting out demons in your name. And we try to stop him because he does not follow us. But Jesus said to them, do not stop him for the one who is not against you is, is for you. Jesus, this time, he addresses someone who's, who's doing all these good things in, 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 the, in his name. And the reason why John, he has a problem with this is because he, the guy who's doing all this is not part of the 12. Like, he, he's not part of, of, of this, this inner, inner circle. And so he says, man, Jesus, you have, to, you have to stop him. Like, I mean, we can do these things. Like, you, of course you can do these things. We can do these things because we were selected by you. But, man, I don't appreciate that brother over there who's doing the work of God because, like, he's not one of us. And I think we have a tendency to make really Christianity in a, in, into something that's very tribal in a way that it's, it's as if if you're not one of us, like, you, you're unworthy. It's almost as if if you're not part of a, shine, a shining star, you're not doing things right, correct, for the kingdom of God. Obviously, every church, every Christian has room to grow, that there are things that we can do better. But we shouldn't have to put down other Christians in order to feel good about our church in order to feel good about our Christian life. We don't have to do that. If there's something that's worthy of celebration, we celebrate that. If there's something that's worthy of praise and, and honor, because that person is leading people to Christ, like, we, we celebrate that. You know, one thing I, I noticed uh, these past couple of times that we had mission nights is, man, people are so different. Like, the, the way that people do ministry overseas is so different. First time we have Victorian this is a guy who, who can speak, what is it, seven, eight languages, like super smart, intellectual, humble guy, just heart of a pastor. He's, he, he just loves his people. He's such a, he has a caring guy and, and a gentle person, gentle spirit, um, gift of teaching. You can just tell that right away. And then you have James and, and Ruth, J- James who, is, who has a passion for God's word, a great teacher, and, and Ruth who has a passion to, to could connect with people, other women in community. And then you have Chris the other night, and like he's literally a surfer. Like he's like, what's up? You know, and, and he's able to go into places, even like North Korea, Korea and share the gospel simply because, because he knows how to surf. And, and it looks different. Like, you hear their stories, and, like, man, you might think from time to time, like, I wonder who's right. But in every story, what I've learned is that there's something worthy of praise, that the gospel is being shared. Obviously, in every single one of us, we have room to grow. But at the end of the day, we shouldn't put down other people simply to feel good about what we're doing for God's kingdom. Like, Jesus is telling John, you don't have to do that. Like it's not just within you guys that the kingdom of God is going to be accomplished. If someone is doing the work of the gospel in my name and they're not misleading people, but they're leading people to Christ, then you honor that and you pray for that brother. Self-reliance and self-centeredness are the two enemies when it comes to following Jesus. The reason why John was struggling with this brother who was, who was doing all these things was because he was very self-centered. Uh, he, didn't, he, he wanted to get the glory. That He wanted to be the one who cast out demons in Jesus' name. And yet, when he saw other people do that, he's like, I feel jealous. When a fellow Christian, when a fellow brother or sister in Christ, when they are doing well in their walk with Jesus and doing great things for the Lord, do you guys celebrate with them? Or do you get jealous of them? 
I think that reveals what we think of Christianity. Are we focused on Christ and what's happening for his mission? Or are we simply focused on what's happening in our personal lives and we are jealous because we don't get to experience all that? So it's not having just simply, you know, just just this inner circle or, or, or click or, or just being part of a group. It's about accomplishing God's mission for his glory, with his power, with his authority. The good news is this. In our sinfulness, we have a tendency to be self-reliant, that we have a tendency to think too much of ourselves, put too much faith in ourselves. And what Jesus does is he humbles us. He allows us to, to see what it looks like to live a life that's dependent on the Father. Jesus, although he, if there's any person who walked on the face of earth who was able to be self-reliant, it was Jesus. And yet, Jesus, he was determined to be reliant on the Father. That's why he removes himself constantly to go into prayer. And he says, everything that I do, I do according to what you have told me, Father, based on your ability. He demonstrates how to live a life that's not self-reliant, but reliant on God. Um, Another thing that we see is that if there's anyone who should be self-centered, it should be Jesus. And yet, Jesus, he lays down himself for the sake of others. He is willing to accept not just children but the lowest of lows and he says i invite you into god's kingdom like he's willing to sit with the tax collectors the sinners and invite them to believe in the gospel and if we have a savior like that if jesus was willing to love us in such a way i think we should be willing to do the same for others as well i I love the quote that that is given by by c.s lewis Uh, c.s lewis says this and it says true humility is not thinking less of yourself, it's thinking of yourself less. I think a lot of times when we think about humility, we think, man, we just have to remind ourselves, I'm nothing, I can't do anything, like I'm, I'm a horrible person, but that's not the point. True humility comes when you are so astonished by Jesus and full of Jesus that you don't have room and time to think too much of yourself. So let's think less, less of, of, of ourselves, like, you know, let's think of ourselves less and let's think more of Jesus. Spend time with him to do his work, his ministry. And uh, when we do so, we're going to see how he can use us, work in us, um, that he would produce things that, that are beyond our understanding. Uh, you know, the story that we see, this father, the son, um, we don't get this detail in the Gospel of Luke, but this is a guy who actually prays, you know, when he says, you know, Jesus, can you help me? Jesus says, what do you mean? Like anyone who simply believes, I can do all things. And the father says, I believe but help my unbelief. That's the guy right here. And what we see is when he was willing to humble himself and say, I believe you, Jesus, but I know also that I'm weak, so help my unbelief. Jesus was willing to honor that. Strong faith in a weak Savior produces nothing. But weak faith in a strong Savior produces all the glory and the wonders of the gospel. Amen? Let's pray.